the greatest thing to realize is that anything that feels like a roadblock or a challenge is the access to what's possible, is the access to where we want to be. That's Meryl Patrecchia, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm your host, Kara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast, where I invite my favorite humans, the awesome, the up to something, and the extraordinary to come and share their story. I hope that you'll be left entertained, inspired, and moved to take action towards living your most powerful life. Meryl Patrecchia is an entrepreneur, a dancer, an author, and known as the joy expert. After experiencing nine losses in seven years, she found herself in a depth of loss few people experience. She knew she had to crawl out to honor the vows she gave to her late husband and the commitment she was making to her daughter. Through her transition from grief to joy, Meryl saw that if she could do it, anyone experiencing grief and life's moments of transitions could do it too. She had to share what she learned. From that sprang her book, GPS to Joy, navigating life's turbulence and toughest transitions to find your new direction. On this episode, we discuss how she became an entrepreneur at 21, how GPS to Joy came to life, and how she's now living life at an 11 plus. All that and so much more coming up, but first. This episode of The Powerful Ladies is made possible by our Patreon subscribers. Did you know that for as little as $1 a month, you can support this podcast? You can send us love, tell us that you want more. You can support all of our events and all that we're doing in the world to fulfill on our full circle of empowerment. It starts at $1 a month. That's less than the coffee you're drinking a day. And there's so many more levels that give you more bonuses and fun things and behind the scenes information. So go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash powerful ladies and support us today. Thank you in advance. Thank you for coming to the Powerful Ladies podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Of course. Yay. Let's start. Um, introduce yourself and what you're up to in the world. Sure. My name is Meryl Petrecchia. And what I'm up to is being an author, being a coach. And what's inspiring that is I'm about loving people. Mm-hmm. And I'm about walking with people through their transitions, mm-hmm. getting them standing up again after they've been taken off the horse mm-hmm. and helping them empowering them to find their joy again and unfold their life in the most powerful way that they can now yeah. in light of where they are and what's occurred. And um, and I want to really, and the really the thing I'm really up to is I want to create a joy movement. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want a joy movement? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, because life has a lot of not joy. Mm-hmm. It can. And um, so if we can create a movement that it's a stand to have it regardless of the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And we do it together in a very unified, cohesive, collaborative way. uh, Then I think there can be more joy in the world. 100%. What I think is fascinating about the little bit that I know about you is that while you kind of gained popularity through your book, GPS to Joy, um, you've had many phases before that, and you're building many phases after. So I think it'd be great to kind of tell people from the beginning, um, you're born in California, born and raised here. Yes. Yes. And you got your kind of first bit of notoriety as an entrepreneur very young. I did. Um, what What is that story behind, you know, being an entrepreneur at, I think, 23? 21. 21. Mm-hmm. In college, actually. Yeah. So I went to the Claremont Colleges, Claremont McKenna, and at Mm -hmm. the time we were in a recession and I was interested in marketing and entrepreneurship and uh, the only degree I could get in that area was economics. Mm -hmm. And so for my senior thesis, I thought, well, I'm going to actually write a business plan to launch a business. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, And then we're in a recession and there were a lot of really smart people at the school Yeah. that were competing for great jobs because the the employers would come to the school and you'd interview those people. And I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to get a job in the face of this competition? Uh, well, my backup is 
<laughs> I'll have a business. I'll just come up with a business that I could do. And that should give me competitive advantage, right? I'm not just smart. I'm actually like in action. So, but it ended up actually being a business that, that took root. And that's how it started. And I believe you received some early accolades for this business. I did. I uh, I was involved with women in business, and I submitted my business plan to be considered for an award. And I won the Women in Business Entrepreneur Award for the year when I was 23. Which is crazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> was it crazy in the moment or was it more in hindsight? No, it was in the moment. I'm like, seriously? Like, how did I even win this, right? I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I, I had no, my only role model had been my family. I saw they could do it. I don't know what they did or how they did it. All I knew was that you could do it. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was all that I had is that, I, well, they can do it. I could do it. Yeah. And then here I was two years later. It's <laughs> blown away. Because <laughs> they had their they had their own businesses as well? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, came from an immigrant family and a lot of, you know, they come here, they start businesses, they do their thing. And uh, so both my grandparents mm -hmm. had their own businesses with their wives. Very, you know, very much a team effort. Yeah. And then my, my uncle had a swimmer manufacturing company. My parents, my mm -hmm. father had a, a medical practice. My mother had a medical practice or a psychological practice. So- yeah, I just saw, well, that's what you do in our family. You just make it yourself. You just make it yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's so incredible. So many people don't realize that that's a choice to make it yourself. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot of discovery on this podcast of people when they realize that you don't need to just get a job or have this corporate expectation or uh, follow into a typical path. Like once they realize like, oh, like I can just do this myself. It was a full light bulb moment for people. Well, let me tell you what really, really, I mean, for my, when I was 16 years old, mm -hmm. I had seen my father's nurses come in day in and day out. And I looked at their life mm -hmm. and I thought, this is what it's like to work for somebody. So from very early on, I thought, well, how am I going to actually have freedom in my life how am I going to dictate where I work, how much I work, how much I earn? Because I knew if I work for somebody, that would all be decided for me. Mm -hmm. And so freedom to pick how much I wanted to earn and how much I wanted to work and the freedom to be the mother that I wanted to be, stay-at-home mom mm -hmm. uh, that I wanted to be, that is really what motivated me to find a way from 16. yeah, I just knew uh, I knew that if I worked, I would be told how many hours I'd have to work, how much vacation I would get, when I could go to lunch, when I could go to the bathroom. I thought, that sounds like jail to me. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I just, I, I was mortified. Yeah. Uh, so I had to find a way. So that's really, it was fear and just this, this just compulsion or this, this just drive to have freedom in my life, complete freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's one of the biggest ways that you can be truly wealthy, in, in my personal opinion. Like, if you have money and no freedom of choice, then you're trapped, just yes. like everybody else. Mm -hmm. I saw that. And mm -hmm. I saw a lot of, that was that was really, and also, so it became a game to me. This whole thing of, how could I actually have everything that I want in this life? Yeah. Let me see. Let me play this game. And I saw a lot of people that did really, really well, and but they had no time freedom. Yep. They didn't have the freedom of time. And so I began to really look at what does success mean to me? And everybody has their own version. And I started to speak about it. I'd go to colleges and I'd speak about what does success mean to you? And what does entrepreneurship mean to you? And, um, you know, do you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, because you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have your health and you don't have control over your time, then to me, that wasn't complete and true freedom. Yes, completely. So for everyone whose curiosity is now piqued, what was your first business? If you can share. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I created a product that we called the Capulet. Mm -hmm. And it was the Capulet Protect Your Clothes. It was a try-on 
garment, yeah. a sheer garment that would be worn over the head like a wit, like a veil, and it would be used by boutiques to protect the inventory from uh, from damage and protect women's hair and makeup. So it was a win-win for the boutiques and for the women. So mm-hmm. I created, and it was based on the story of the Capulets. Yep. The Capulet Protect Your Clothes. Thought that was kind of cute. It is cute. And uh, that was my first product, and it was just adorable. Um, and it was in this really fun package. And that was washable. And then it occurred to me, I got the request from boutiques. So you have one that you can throw away. Use it once and throw it away. And so then I created the second product, which is a disposable version of the Capulet. Mm-hmm. And then called that the fashion mask. And that was my first business. And is that business still going on to this day? You know, funny enough, the business has had many iterations. Mm-hmm. But yes, I have... Now I have one client that orders annually, mm-hmm. and uh, they order you know a large order, and it gets drop shipped to their warehouse, and it's custom made for them. It's disposable, mm-hmm. it's single use, mm-hmm. and so yes, it's in its own fashion. It's continued on. That's very cool. Because when you start a business, you know, most people don't think about how it's going to end or evolve. And especially if you're entrepreneurial, like I know you are about how many ideas come up all the time. I think it's almost the responsibility we don't talk about as entrepreneurs is thinking about either when you want to move away from the company yourself or evolve it to keep changing with your lifestyle. We don't think about the end. Yeah, the end game. Huge. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I didn't know uh, even to think about that. Oh, you start something and, you know, and then maybe you sell it. I mean, my that's what I wanted to do. I ultimately, I wanted to sell the, the business and I created five divisions in my head and the like. But yeah, you're right. That mm-hmm. is as important to the launching, mm-hmm. in my mind, uh, as as anything. Yeah. So after you started this company, it's going well, you're speaking at schools. Um how did you go from there to being an author? There's a there's a t- window of time there. Like what was happening sure. in that transition? So and to be you know to be in full candor, it took me seven years before I made money. Mm-hmm. But because I didn't have a mentor, I didn't even know it. I didn't even it didn't even occur to me to have a mentor or a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, but I figured what the heck? I'm not married. I don't have children. I, you know, rent rent is minimal. Mm-hmm. I might as well figure this out. Yeah. For the sake of freedom. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, I mean, I, I did that business. And uh, then my late husband and I, we had a distribution company together. So we did a business. So that was our kind of side hustle. Yep. And, um, and then I've always been a writer, but it really came to fruition to me when uh, my creativity got sparked, when life happened and life happened and life happened again. Yep. And it opened up my heart, it opened up my pain, it opened up, it, it opened me up to a whole dimensions of life that I didn't even know existed. I mean, I knew it, but hadn't experienced it. And that's when I became an author. Yeah. We don't need to go into it into t- to depth, but to give everyone listening what happened in a span of, I believe it's one year, two years, you lost both of your parents and your husband. Yes. Well, I went through nine losses in seven years. Nine transitions slash losses mm-hmm. slash throw your life on the ground, you know, throw your ass on the ground and have to keep trying to get back up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there I was, I, literally everything that I had was gone. Mm-hmm. Everything that I identified with was gone. So my, I was no longer a daughter. I was no longer a wife. Mm-hmm. I was no longer a homeowner. I was no longer an active business owner. I was no longer a stepmother. I was no longer a dog owner. <laughs> like there was nothing set. Mm-hmm. And um, so I thought, well, so what am I going to do? And um, so I thought, well, I'm going to give myself a job. My job year one, don't die of a broken heart. That was my whole job. It's so, a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't die of a broken heart. So what is that? What what do I need to do to have that happen? And um, and then year two was the unknown freaking sucks because we had a plan. Yeah. And um, my late husband was a physician, an infectious disease physician. He got his degree. He got his CMO, which is chief medical officer degree from Carnegie Mellon with the intention of going to Harvard School for Public Affairs because mm-hmm. he wanted to participate in national health care mm-hmm. in that in that dialogue in that 
policy. Yeah. So I was like, I'm on board. That sounds like a really good thing to make a difference in. Mm-hmm. I'm in. And so that was gone. Yeah. So year two was unknown sucks. And uh, how can I get it? So at least I'm neutral to the unknown. Mm-hmm. Let me just do that. And uh, so then I took a course and I began to do journaling and writing. Mm-hmm. And then I found a coach who was really good at bringing out people's passion projects. Mm-hmm. And my friend said, well, why don't you talk to her about your passion projects? Pick one. And uh, so she interviewed me and there was all this content. And she said, do you see you have a book here? Do you see you have a program here? Mm-hmm. And it changed everything, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you see the difference this could make? Yeah. So, uh, okay. So, um, so I picked a title for the the body of work, mm-hmm. and the bo- the title the title would have been becoming the woman of your dreams. Oh, mm-hmm. shifting from the becoming the woman of his dreams to become the woman of your dreams, and. So I wrote inside of that, and then, um, and then I realized, you know what? That's not quite it. Like that's that's a thing that will happen. Right. That'll be an automatic. That'll be an automatic outcome. Right. But what is it? So my uh, friends and I were traveling in Europe, and we were in a car, and um, <laughs> and the car broke down in the middle. It's unclear which country we were exactly in. Yeah. It was. The f- I mean, it was hysterical because yeah. the it because the whole situation was hysterical. The kids were hysterical. My friend Jackie, who was loves drama, was hysterical. The car, the the tow truck driver came had two teeth left. Mm-hmm. We were wondering if he really was a tow truck driver. Maybe he had some other thing that he did instead. He puts the car on top of the tow truck. He puts us in the car on top of the tow truck no. on the highway. <laughs> So, so we're on the bed, and I said, you know, Lily, I need a title. It's not Becoming the Woman of Your Dreams. It's it's something about, like, you know, like GPS. Like, GP, I'm like, joy, GPS. And I go, oh, that's it. GPS to joy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the hashtag joy expert. I'm all about activating your joy. Holy crap. That's it. Mm-hmm. How do we get to joy? Mm-hmm. When we think we're on the highway, all is well. The freaking car breaks down. You know, we think we're going to be, you know, we think we're going to be, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with these truck drivers on the road. We don't speak the language. Right. We, there's no call box. How the hell do we get out of this mm-hmm. GPS and, and get back to <laughs> get back to life? So that is how the title, well, and the whole title is GPS to Joy, Navigate Your, transi- your Toughest Transitions to Find Your New Direction. Yes. Which, and I don't think people, I think looking for joy Everyone understands. Like people are always looking, usually, for more joy and happiness, and how do we make life better? What I don't think people are good at is acknowledging when they are going through a transition or when they are having a hard time, and really taking time to like just pause and stop and like be with it, deal with it, figure out a plan. When you're working with people to get them back to joy, like where do you tell people to start? Well. Well, I've created the joy activation process, mm-hmm. and there's steps. So the first step is to identify what it is that you want. So there you are. You've broken up your with your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. What do you want? Well, I want a new boyfriend, or I want to be at peace with him, or, you know, I'm, whatever the issue is, I'm not talking to my mother. So what is it you want? I want to talk to my mother. So I actually, this first step is, let's look at what do, what do we want? Mm-hmm. And then when we know what it is that we want, then we can begin the process of distilling down, well, what is in the way, but we really get to see in the middle of the process how what we have is what we've created. Mm-hmm. And if we've created it, then we can create something else. Yes. Yeah, it's so powerful to really get that we can create something, anything, and yeah. change it. <laughs> We're not stuck with what we've made if we don't want it. And to really come to terms with, and this is just the biggest aha moment for people, mm-hmm. do you see that what you have is a function of what you've done so far? Can you see the link? Because if you can see that link, then you can do other things to have a different outcome if you choose. And yeah. even if the boyfriend doesn't want to talk to you again, 
for example, you still can choose to have peace, to generate forgiveness, to give grace to you and him mm-hmm. and allow for healing to occur yeah. and not suffer. And by doing that, it's just amazing the miracles that happen with other people and how they how they get the benefit of you doing that for yourself and for them. Yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing makes people happier than seeing the people they love be in the place that they should be, right? Where they get lit up. Mm-hmm. We, uh, yesterday, we were at a uh, memorial service for um, one of Jesse's cousins who passed away um, unexpectedly uh, recently. And his fiance is there. They have a six-year-old son. And at the end of the night, we're saying goodbye. And she's like, I just don't know what to do. She's like, like all, like she's like all of it's like she feels all. She's in the weight of all of it, right? Yeah. Like, how do I be a mom and a dad? How do I yeah. figure out what my career path can be so I can support him? Um, she doesn't have family around, and I'm like, yeah, but this this room is full of. This is the biggest family besides my own that I know. So like, mm-hmm. and I understand it's not her biological family. I'm like, lean in on them. Like, like the only advice I have because I've never been in that position. I'm like, is just ask for help. Like that's the only thing I could recommend. And it was so heartbreaking to leave, like seeing her in that state of mm-hmm. just like in the swirl. Yeah. Like how uh, how long should people, I guess, accept the swirl happens and mm-hmm. know that it's not like the swirl stops and then you start. It's like the swirl's happening and you're starting with the swirl. Like that's how it occurs to me, I guess. Would that be accurate? Yeah, well, when someone dies, Mm -hmm. scientifically speaking, and I wish I could quote the source, a part of us dies in that moment, and literally the energy that we have left to live goes from 100% to like 10% over death. Mm -hmm. So imagine now you're trying to function, brush your teeth, feed your kids, and you are now operating at 10% over the lowest energy, which is zero, mm-hmm. because your body needs the, that energy to process what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So the swirl is inevitable. Yeah. And it really is uh, a, a space that you need to allow your body to work through itself. As you work through the grief in the morning, and there are two different T- there are two different things. Mm-hmm. One one is immediate and the other is longer term. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to let your body get more energy again and mm-hmm. you can't rush it. And uh, so there really isn't a time frame for that. But I can tell you at about six months, I came out of the fog and many people, that widows that mm-hmm. I know, about six months is when they would come out of the fog and when the pain would really hit. Mm-hmm. The good thing is about with the, when you have kids is you have to keep going. But, yeah. you know, what you do automatically, the automatic just keeps you going. Mm-hmm. And um, the other stuff, you just, it comes to you. Yeah. It just comes to you. Like, there isn't a way to find it. You just find yourself having a knowing mm-hmm. when the time is right for you to know. When you went through this process, did it... Did you did it connect you to um, being more spiritual or religious or relying on you know things outside of the people and the tangible that we talk a lot about in you know Western society? I've always had a connection to God, and uh, so that was never a question for me. I didn't ask why him, how did that happen? You know, I didn't have any of those conversations. Mm -hmm. My whole conversation was the cancer was smarter than the medicine. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. Yeah. And with my folks, they had smoked for 30 years. So, you know, that was just one of the big factors for Mm -hmm. for their early demise, 78, but still. Yeah, you know my grandparent, my grandfather lived till ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't think that there's, um, I I don't think that there's a clear path. Really, it's mm-hmm. almost like we just have to organically allow it to unfold. Yeah. So when now that you have you wrote the book, yes, and then how did your life change once you wrote the book? 
well, just, you know, writing the book was painful. Mm-hmm. It was, it, in, some t- in some ways, it was excruciating. Yeah. But the book was really, um, my daughter, well, the book was really this, it was really a love letter to my daughter. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was saying thank you to my husband. Mm-hmm. It was an acknowledgement of the love that we shared and how he really had given, taken me, given me everything that I needed to move on and to move forward. Yeah. And um, so what changed, well, I was able to get through the process and that was a miracle. And I was able to work through some, you know, some deep things. And, um, and then I finally decided to put it into the world. And when I put it into the world, it was like, okay. I put my stake in the ground. This book is now in the world. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what I would do with the book. And I didn't know if it was the end of an era or the beginning of a new era. But I knew my daughter had had so many losses in her life. She had lost both grand- both sets of grandparents. Um, and she had lost, um, you know, aunts and, and friends. And then she lost her stepdad. Mm-hmm. And her, her own dad had cancer. So I thought this book is going to be a how to live life in case, frankly, I get taken out. If I get abducted by aliens, then you have a guidebook for yeah. your life from me. So that book was really had to be written by me. And whatever I had to go through, I had to go through because I needed to give, even if she never read it, I needed to give her something that she could hold on to. Yeah. So that she knew um, no matter what, I had her back. Yeah. That changed my life uh, and turned me more. That had me realize that I'm a healer and a teacher mm-hmm. that I didn't really wasn't present to before because I was such an entrepreneur and business person. I was so in the numbers part of the brain my yeah. whole life. And ha- would you say that your focus since discovering that has transitioned to sharing that piece of you, the healing and the teacher part more than anything else? Yeah, I've gotten very um, heart-centered, and I've really cultivated. I've I've cultivated grace and compassion and self-love, and um, and laughter and lightening up, mm-hmm. and seeing a bigger picture and trusting a bigger you know a, a bigger game plan or bigger energy or trusting you know source mm-hmm. and uh, and playing more. You know, I'm I'm playing more than ever. Like, if it's not fun, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And um, how much freedom is there? That, that I mean, how much freedom is there to that? And I didn't have that at first. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that. But when the book came out, it's kind of like, okay, now let's get back on to playing. Yeah. You know, what the heck? You know, life is short. Mm-hmm. I saw it firsthand. Yeah. Might as well have fun. And, and when, when yeah. you're playing, what does your playing look like? Oh, my playing. Well, I'm I'm a dancer. I'm a ballroom dancer. So playing includes dancing. Mm-hmm. And it can be dancing in conversations. It can be dancing to music. It can be uh, dancing with the sunset, whatever. Love to dance. Mm-hmm. I um, love to travel. I'm, world, I'm a world traveler. I love growth and development. So I love learning. I've got this insatiable appetite to learn you know, about all kinds of different topics and subjects. And I love people. So Mm -hmm. one of my things that I do for fun is I meet people and talk to them and, you know, get in their world and connect. And uh, one of my favorite things to do is leave people better than I found them. Mm -hmm. So if it's in the Starbucks line or if it's on a a date or it doesn't really matter. Like really, I created a commitment um, that all people, a long time ago, I created a commitment that all people would have access to and utilize effective communication that moves life forward, mm-hmm. love and abundance are present. And when I created that as part of a course that I did, it's like, wow, that that's my life. Like if I did that every day of my life and love and abundance are present and people can effectively move their life forward in, in, a, in a beautiful way, then that's a life well lived. So well, there you go. I mean, that's a pretty fun way to wake up every morning. It is. So every conversation can be, you know, <laughs> can be, um, it doesn't have to be deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot like my housekeeper, her name is Hilda. She comes over and the first thing I do is give her a gigantic hug. Mm-hmm. 
you know, she loves to come over just for the hug. (laughs) (laughs) And she gives me the hug back, like, right? You know, it's like loving and empowering each other. And um, she takes care of me. I take care of her. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's a it's a beautiful life. Um, Well, I was lucky enough to meet you through the wonderful Nancy Eaton. Yes. And we had an amazing coffee that like went way longer than I expected it to. I run out of the house to like come say hello. And I was like, (laughs) but instantly I was like, no, there's so many parallels about um, who you are and what you're up to and what you care about that I saw in myself and what I'm creating. I'm like, we have to be doing things next, which is how you got here pretty Mm -hmm. quickly. Yes. And as I was reading your book, I'm going to quote this uh, passage because I think it's um, aligned so nicely with what we're up to creating here at Powerful Ladies. Um, On page 14, you say, I distinguished how we are dimmed to our own light, beauty, and power. I saw how many of us don't see our unique and extraordinary capacities and our own magnificence. I wondered why. Yeah. It like the whole reason that we I started Powerful Ladies was because I did not understand and it broke my heart every time someone said, I'm not powerful. I'd be like, what? I'm not like, that doesn't mean that you have $10 million. It doesn't mean that you've been president. It doesn't mean that you um, have the laundry done and the kids. It doesn't mean any of those things. It really is very much uh, a way of being. Yeah. And I, that's kind of the mission that we're on here is like, how do we get people to see their light, beauty, and power? Because like you've said, if you can see it in somebody else, or you can see it in yourself, you can see it in somebody else. So what? when did you have that aha moment for yourself? And did it come through this book? Did it come through um, the grieving process? Or has that been something that you've been aligned with from the beginning? When... When David was at the end, so many people came and uplifted us. It's almost like people came together and they held their hands underneath us. And we were elevated where we were held. Mm -hmm. And most of them were women. And they were extraordinary. They were like angels Mm -hmm. that came to support us. And in talking to them, I would see what they were, you know, what they were dealing with. And I I saw how they would diminish their contribution, not on purpose. It was just a habit. And so I started to notice who was on fire, who was loving themselves, loving life, who was feeling, you know, who was seeing who they are and, and elevating others and who's living inside of light and who's living inside of density and suffering. And um, and that's when I started. That's when my eyes opened up more to it. People that were her- doing heroic things, mm-hmm. even then, didn't necessarily affirm themselves or see the beauty that um, that they brought and the the goodness and the kindness and the um, the holiness that they that they cultivated. And I thought, yeah, we got to we got to change this up, man. Mm-hmm. We have got to change this up. This is not. <laughs> There's something missing here. And it was it's it's part of our culture. It's habit. It's it's in a nar- it's in a narrative. I don't even know how the heck it got there. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, well, let's change our narrative. Mm-hmm. And um I like to talk, so it works out. <laughs> no, it, it's it really is a, a fascinating thing because anyone who's listening, if I call you and invite you to be on this podcast, you can assume you're already powerful. So if you don't think you are, then we can have a whole conversation about why and what you, what you need to give yourself credit for. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's fascinating to me how so much of the external qualifications of power and prestige or whatever you want to call it that people are chasing for, the things that never give us the satisfaction that we're actually looking for, um, how it's become so important. And I was speaking to somebody recently it, about it in regards to clarifying capitalism versus consumerism. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, the guy on the news had used, inverted them and said that we need to stop this um, negative impact of capitalism. And I'm like, no, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with capitalism. It's like a separate theoretical entity. It's not bad or good. 
I'm like, the consumerism is what he was upset about. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's all that matters is the stuff and the more stuff and like keep going. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's the same way in regards to the identity of power and success, right? Like if, if success, as we talked earlier, is about having freedom, mm-hmm. like we never said anything about money in that conversation. We never said anything about the size of a house or whatever the markers are, especially on social media today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, I'm glad that more and more people are having um, that conversation and putting more of that out. Yeah, like what are the metrics? Mm-hmm. What are the metri- metrics? Is, that you're, is that a word, metrics is? What it are is the now. <laughs> <laughs> what are the metrics that we want to reference to say that we're successful? Mm-hmm. I mean, my daughter, she's declared herself to be an environmental activist. And I said, I'm behind you. Go for it. Now, mm-hmm. will she make a lot of money? Who knows? That's just not in top of mind. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, Whereas I grew up, it was top of mind. Yeah. I wanted to be a teacher or a psychologist. And they said, uh, no, that's that's not going to have you raise your family. That's not going to empower you to be able to financially care for your family. I was tr- I was taught, you got to be able to pay the mortgage, kid. Mm-hmm. You, you may have a husband that can, but what if you get sick? And I'll be damned. Guess what happened? Yeah. My husband got sick. Well, I think it's so fascinating that you're now circling back to the teacher psychologist space. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, yes. And uh, so with my daughter, I said, listen, you're free. So free to, you are free to pursue what matters to you. And she said, well, this planet matters to me. Mm-hmm. And it matters that we have a planet that our kids and grandkids can thrive on. And I said, okay, well, get to work. What? Ha- where do I sign up? Yeah. And I love to empower the 20-somethings. I mean, that is just, I love it. And I get a lot of them coming to me because um, whatever they're dealing with, and there's a lot of experimenting, you know, and Mm -hmm. they go to festivals and they do all kinds of stuff at the festivals. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like, like you can, you can, there's going to be diversions in life and there's going to be learning and stuff. But ultimately, you know, our future's in your hands. Our world is in your hands. So I'm here to stand behind you and to be the one beneath your wings. So what is it you guys want to have happen? What do you want? Mm-hmm. Step first step of the joy activation process. What do you want? And um, so it's and they have the biggest megaphone of any generation that's ever lived. Yeah, it's uh, we um we had Rosalie Fish on um, a couple. Of, I think she was episode forty three or forty five. Um, and she's 18, freshman in college. She's a track star, and she runs with a painted hand on her face to bring attention to missing and murdered Indigenous women. Wow. And we're talking to her, and I'm sitting here with my jaw on the table because she's so wise beyond what you would account for at, at 18 and a freshman in college, and so peaceful and calm about the fact that she's taking on this mission while also all the things that are stereotypical for that age group. And it made me so proud to see that like taking action is like, of course that's what you do. Cause I feel like there's so many people who, whether it's taking action about what you care about or the life you want, it's something that other people do. Mm-hmm. So anytime that I see someone being like, no, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, thank you. Like if we all do that, then it's like the pressure's off all of us to some extent. Yeah, like we mm-hmm. if we collaborate, like we're in this together. Mm-hmm. We're in this together. I am a space where you can experiment, you can fall, you can stand up, you can try, you can make your hair pink, I don't really care, go for yeah. it. But, um, you know, I've, I've got this giant umbrella of what's possible and possibility and um, that we can do it, mm-hmm. that it's up to us. So however you wanna play inside of that umbrella, it's fine with me. Yeah. And where I can support you or how I where I can walk with you and, and you just let me know. But it's yeah, it's just really letting people be, letting them find their truth. Mm-hmm. And and their true expression. And and from that, cultivate joy. Yeah. And healing. Who are other women that have been an inspiration to you and have helped you define what it means for you to be powerful as well? So my favorite powerful lady, her name is Elizabeth Turk. 
She is an artist. She's a world-class sculptor. She lives in Newport Beach and spends time in New York. And her work is brings me to tears when I see it. She works with stone, and she literally makes ribbons out of marble. So you look at this beautiful, what looks like a falling ribbon or toffee, and it's stone. She takes stone to its edges. But it's not just her work. It's who she is and how she sees the world. And um, it's remarkable. You know, just the, she created something called the Shoreline Project. Uh, have you heard of it? Mm-mm. Okay. So uh, the Shoreline Project brings community together with umbrellas. And the first Shoreline Project was in Laguna Beach. They had a thousand dancers with solar-powered umbrellas, with drones filming at night. And along the shore, you see these dancers, unchoreographed, self-organizing to dance and move along the shore, to bring community together, to dance with the planet, to dance with the ocean, to bring attention to how we are all part of it. Every, that, that, that there is no separation. And it, it was an extraordinary endeavor. And she was in a hotel overlooking the project that was being filmed. And there was one person who choreographed like 20 of the dancers, but all the other people were volunteer dancers that came because they'd heard about it. So she has now has uh, funding for seven other installations of the Shoreline Project around the planet, and her next one will be in Laos. Very cool. And it's just, who does that? Who thinks of, and it was with Laguna Beach, it was with the Laguna Beach Art Museum. Who thinks of dancers with um, solar-powered umbrellas dancing on the ocean uh, to to speak to a co- humanity collaborating for, you know, with the planet, you know, like we're all one. Mm-hmm. Dancing. Who does that? That's, you know, who thinks that she's just, you know, just extraordinary the way she sees what's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone else? Well, you know, I love, well, yes, my daughter, of course. My daughter, um, She's been, she grows me up and whatever I realize, what, wherever I'm stopped, that since I have this vow to her to give her everything that she needs to have a great life, which I said she already has that, but wherever I'm stopped, I realize, oh, that could be an impediment to her great, having a great life. So I'm going to have to take that on for myself and, you, you know, blast that out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, so that I can get to the other side of it, share it with her so that she can see that she can do the same thing. So, um, yeah, so she's somebody, of course. And, um, you know, and my my parents, you know, my parents believed in me um, mm-hmm. when I didn't believe in myself. They always, no matter what I did, no matter what screw-ups there were, no matter humiliations that I might have felt, they just always loved me. Mm -hmm. They loved me for me. And I thought they loved me for what I did, but they loved me for me. Mm -hmm. They didn't care what I did. And I had a colossal fail. I did with my um, first marriage. It was a colossal fail. And and they just, it's like moving on, Mm -hmm. whatever. You know, and I was just so, (laughs) you know, I was I had so much shame around it, but you know that was on me. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, they don't they don't have that. Wow. Okay. So that really that was a big lesson mm-hmm. in really f- self forgiveness and just forgiveness and um, you know, let what there is to let go to move forward powerfully. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my parents, and then you know Helen Keller, the story of Helen Keller. She was remarkable. Um, Maya Angelou, the poet. Uh, Rumi. Yeah. Uh, Shirley's Theron. So these are all um, Golda Meir, the first prime minister of Israel, and um, Greta Thunberg. Thornberg? Mm hmm. Is it Thornberg? The environmental so. activist, the, the young young lady. Isn't she interesting and extraordinary? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just, it takes one. That's another th- expression I like to say. Yes. It only takes one. 
It's one person to believe in you, one person to stand up for something. It just takes one. Um, well, we've had some conversations um, off podcast yes. about you know what you want to be creating next and where you're taking GPS to Joy and you know as you start building this next phase of what you want to be creating for you and the world. Um, so, what can you share with our audience about that? Sure. Well, when I ask myself, is GPS to Joy the end of an era or the beginning of something? What I realize is it's it's a pillar, mm-hmm. one pillar. If we had a chair, it's one of the pillars of the chair or one of the one of the legs of the chair. So what? Because we all have transitions, right? And and they're gonna the big ones. They're gonna disrupt our lives, mm-hmm. and we're gonna we're gonna be off course. And then we got to get back up. But then what? And I thought, well, okay, well, we're gonna find our joy. So. I thought, well, how do we do that? Like, what's the blueprint for finding a life that is joyous now? Because whatever mm-hmm. brought us joy before might not bring us joy now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what I thought about was, well, first of all, you know, we have new normals, right? I mean, a transition comes, whatever was is gone. You can't go backwards. Someone died. The house is gone. The mm-hmm. career's over. The kids are no longer five, whatever. That's gone. So I realized we got to really make peace with where we're at. So we really have to acknowledge what is the new normal? What is the new, what is so now? And um, and once I did that for myself, and I'm like, you know, I realized, well, I'm a family of two now. Mm-hmm. I mean, an immediate family of two now. I'm single and live in a home by myself. Uh, I now live in San Diego. I moved from Orange County. Um, you know, I, I just looked at a number of different, um, the reality of my life now. And um, I thought, okay, well, that's fine. So what do I no longer want to live without? So I know what I don't have from the past, but what do I no longer want to live without now? Mm-hmm. And when I started to ask that question, it it took me out of the realm of, what do I want? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of us don't think we can have what we want. Right. And so that works with one part of the brain. It took me into the other part of the brain. It's like, damn it. Yeah, I want stuff. This is the part of my brain that I use to go get what I want. So I thought, what am I no longer willing to live without? And as I looked at that, all of these things started to emerge. And um, and so, and then I thought, well, all right. So now I have a way to figure out what it is I'm no longer willing to live without, and I can cultivate and take actions, cultivate whatever, take actions, steps to have that. But, all right, so now what does joy mean? What is, let me define joy. And I thought, well, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would it like to live life at 11 plus? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. Well, you know, what, what, I don't know. Let me think about that. So now I thought, well, let's define 11 plus. And, um, so then I defined 11 plus is it's great, it's wonderful, and it's unexpected. So what I want to do now mm-hmm. is I want to work with people that are interested in wherever they are in the, you know, in the phases of the transition. They're interested in letting go of whatever old messages they have around how they have to live mm-hmm. and are interested in actually creating a life that looks like 11 plus. Which I think is very exciting. I'm very excited about it because now I'm starting to look in my day and I said, okay, well, on a scale of one to 10, what is, how has that occurred to me, mm-hmm. that situation? And a 10 is it's freaking awesome. It's completely aligned with who I am or what I want. And I expected that result. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking where, where are those 11 plus moments that are occurring? And every day I am finding 11 plus moments. And I'm telling you, my life is, is on fire. Mm-hmm. I feel so much passion and energy, and this is my baseline. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like you know, normally someone would think, "What do you want?" Like, but I'm just so inspired. Yeah. And um, so you know, in love with this whole process, and um, so that is what I want to work with women and mm-hmm. people on is finding our joy. Could be simply, what context do we want to have for our life? Yes. And are we willing to let go of the context that maybe served us before, but maybe don't serve what we want going forward? And even taking away the definitions within the, the context itself, right? I mean, 
so many people, when you think of what has to happen for X, Y, or Z to exist, when you suddenly say, well, just if it's a way of being and not a thing, it gives so much freedom. Yes. Freedom, freedom, <laughs> freedom. In fact, I created my um, my word. I created okay. my word for the year. Um, or I came up with my word. The word for the year is passion. Mm-hmm. And my word for the decade is freedom. And the context for this year is passion on fire. And what I'm up to is living 11 plus. And that is what I want to bring to the world and play with play with people you know dance yeah dance with people let's dance together with this you know i'm a dancer i love to let's come on ladies let's dance <laughs> yeah. let's do this let's have some fun so for people that the idea of a word of the year or word of the decade is a foreign concept mm-hmm. once you define your word how are you using it on a daily weekly basis well People use words in different ways. So for me, it infuses, it's sort of, it's it's a way to energetically infuse what I do. So whether Mm -hmm. I'm exercising or I'm vacuuming or I'm with my friends or I'm driving in the car, Mm -hmm. I just, I, I choose to have the experience of bringing passion to it which is liveness, being present. Like it's, you know, just enjoying it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's delicious. I use it, I use it, like, I use it like it's a spice in my soup. Yeah. Right? So the soup is whatever's happening, and then I spice the soup up. Yeah. Like that. And I ha- and I enjoy the flavor of it. And um, and I just let it, I let it guide me, and I let it um, teach me. I let these words guide me and teach me. And it sounds like in a very practical matter that you, just by having the words or the phrase present in your mind, it allows you to be intentional or just like to set the ground for like this word's going to be in this space. Mm-hmm. So you don't really need to, to work at it necessarily because it's already in your head. It's, it's already it, there. It just starts to show up and you can be like, oh yeah, that, oh yeah, that. Yeah, I already, mm-hmm. the words, I already have it. I already am it. I already yeah. live it. So there are people that will say, have, have your 10 words. And for me, I get confused with 10 words. Right. So one's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, those are pretty those are pretty robust words. Mm. Mm. They are. They yeah. are. Mm. So when you look at what being powerful has meant to you from when you were a kid through to today, how has it changed and, you know, what has been the most um like pronounced change for what your definition of power for yourself is? So I thought about that. Mm-hmm. Because there's you know, there's all kinds of different definitions of power. But so for me, what being a powerful lady means to me is number one, embracing ourselves completely, mm-hmm. which is a- including not making ourselves wrong and, and uh, wherever we are, just loving on ourselves, embracing ourselves, affirming ourselves. And, and we can always grow, right? That doesn't mean <laughs> that we can't grow. Yep. As long as we're alive, we can grow. And um, accepting ourselves, using and enjoying our gifts, making each day count, and mastering every aspect of our lives, and elevating anyone in our lives, Mm -hmm. and bringing grace, compassion to life, and leading from love and vision. So these- Very poetic. These are things that make me a powerful lady. Mm Mm-hmm. As well as being a hell of a negotiator. <laughs> yeah. I think that um, there's always that mix, right, of the feminine and the masculine, as they're traditionally outlined. So I love that you added in and negotiating. Yes. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, also a powerful yeah. lady or powerful person is someone who really understands how to be fully empowered mm-hmm. so that they can bring all that they, if they want, bring everything that they have, their gifts to the world and really enjoy that. So those are some of the things I thought about. Awesome. We ask everyone on the podcast where they put themselves on the powerful lady scale mm-hmm. uh, with it's one to 10, zero being average everyday human and 10 being super powerful lady. Mm-hmm. Where do you put yourself today? And where do you put yourself on average? Today, 11 plus and on average, 
Probably seven and a half to eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, does being asked to be, be put yourself on a scale, does it mean anything to you or is it a fun game that you see? Uh, no, it's it's just, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely fun. And it's it's not even, it's not even a, a competitive or comparison thing. Mm-hmm. It's really more, t- it's almost like taking your temperature. Yeah. So for me, it's like, what's my temperature day today? Mm-hmm. And my results... I might have huge, tremendous results, and that may or may not correlate to how I, you know, how powerful I'm experiencing myself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the days I feel the worst are the days that I'm the most effective and productive. Mm-hmm. A lot of the noise goes away when you're focused on feeling like a one. <laughs> well, and I think that you've got effective, mm-hmm. you've got productive, and then powerful. Yes. And they're different. They're different conversations. I like that. Yes. I think that's an important distinction. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So for women who are listening to your story and are inspired by you, um, in addition to your book, GPS to Joy, yes. what are other resources that you recommend to women who are going through a transition or looking to turn what they've discovered in a transition into what's next for them? Well, I love it when people plug into their community. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you don't know what next, finding people that have been there are the biggest resources of information that at your fingertips. It could be in your neighborhood. It could be if you go to church, it could be there or your yoga studio. Like mm-hmm. finding people that have been there, that alone can give you a sense of peace around, you know, what's probably not peaceful. Mm-hmm. And meditation. I think it's huge because we really do need when our nervous system gets impacted, which it does when, you know, we've been thrown off course. Mm-hmm. We, we need when we nurture our nervous system like we would nurture a child that that really does. It's like the inner work we have to do so that we can mm-hmm. actually be clear, more clear headed about what next. Mm-hmm. So I'd say the resources are people around you and there are speakers like Brene Brown and Oprah Winfrey there are Mm -hmm. resources like that too that are wonderful that are Mm -hmm. inspiring but I do think talking to human beings that are you know that are in your midst is the first start is the first step and and then finding ways to nurture yourself and and to to manage your nervous system to calm Mm -hmm. it down so that you can be more uh, thoughtful and clear thinking things can come to you mm-hmm. because you're open to hearing your own your own counsel. Yeah. Well, and as you mentioned earlier as well, like there are angels that walk amongst us as our community members, our friends and family, and sometimes it just takes us asking them to make a contribution to let them step into that space. For themselves yeah. and for us. What is it? When the student arrives, the master will come. Mm-hmm. And I also think that there's trusting, which is, you know, always the thing I'm working on, but trusting that when you're ready, mm-hmm. whatever it is that you need will will find you, mm-hmm. whether it's a book or whether it's a poem you read or whether it's yeah. something on the radio or if somebody mentioned something, it, it, it synchronicity has a as a big part of all of this. Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, I call it following the breadcrumbs because mm-hmm. no, you know, when you've been through something, even if you're a great planner, you know, all of those abilities kind of go out the window. Yeah. So at that point, what is there to do to me? It's get yourself nurtured, get your nervous system nurtured and you'll follow the breadcrumbs and you ask for help. Mm-hmm. You talk to people you bring in your community. Because when you say, this is what I'm dealing with, guess what? They may have the next breadcrumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not, there's not a science to it. And uh, it's not hard. And really letting go of that you have to do it alone. Yes. That's not a resource. That's just uh, how many of us feel like we have to do everything alone. And because we're, you know, well, I can do it. I'm powerful. Power comes in actually allowing yourself to be supported and nurtured. Yes. And I think whether you are going through a transition or you are starting a business or you are whatever you are doing that puts you in that 
open, vulnerable, scared, I don't know what to do next space. Um, it's amazing what can show up to like just boost you past, right? Like the breadcrumbs show up if you are opening to see a breadcrumb. Yes. And, mm-hmm. you know, one, uh, what makes a powerful lady mm-hmm. is someone who's really good with giving and receiving. So a lot of us like to give, but we don't like to receive. Mm-hmm. And I call bullshit on that. The way that the world works and the way that nature works is it gives and it receives. The plants give food, give sustenance, give flowers, and they receive water and sun and fertilizer. It's the way nature works. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who said that we have to do it all alone and that we shouldn't rely on anybody and it's bad and we're weak and what have you, whoever made all that stuff up. Mm -hmm. That's just a narrative that I um, say is so counterproductive. Mm -hmm. So that also makes a powerful lady. Completely agree. Completely agree. Well, this has been completely lovely. Thank you so much for being on. I'm sure that everyone listening is going to be very excited about what you're up to next and how they can follow you. We will include um, all of those in the show notes as well. Um, And is there anything, any um, breadcrumb you want to leave for the audience to, um, they can expect what's next or should they just follow you at your website? Oh, well, living 11 plus ladies, let's do this. Who wants to? Come play. Uh, We are going to figure it out. We're going to do it together. Um, You know, I wanted to say the greatest thing to realize is that anything that feels like a roadblock or a challenge is the access Mm -hmm. to what's possible, is the access to where we want to be. So without them, then we are where we are. So these transitions become the portals for whole new realms and whole new possibilities, whole new ways of experiencing ourselves and life. Mm-hmm. And so on some weird level, like freaking embrace them. Yeah. Embrace the roadblocks, embrace the challenges, embrace the transitions and say, I don't really know why I should say thank you, but you know, thank you. Mm-hmm. And please show me this lesson as soon as possible. Yeah. What is it? What's the gift from this experience? And um The gift, I will leave people with this, the gift of my husband dying, Mm -hmm. if there could be a gift, is who I now get to be. Yeah. That I would be a different version of me with him because he was a really big personality and just a bright light. He was a comet and I would hold onto the tail of the comet and go for a ride. Mm -hmm. Now I get to be my own comet. And other people get to hold on and go for the ride. Other people get to hold on for the ride, and then they'll become a comet. So that is, um, that's the gift is who I now get to unfold myself and generate myself to be mm-hmm. uh, for the fun of it yeah. and for the difference I get to make because that, that stirs my soul. So I have a favorite quote. There are many, but this one just really spoke to me for this podcast. Okay. And can I read it to you? Please. Wonderful. Thank you. It's by Sarah Young Wang. And she says, when we think of things this way, there's nothing to figure out, really. There's only listening to ourselves and following what brings us joy and makes us feel good. By dropping all the shoulds that don't feel in alignment, we free ourselves from the boxes and limitations we've often subconsciously placed on ourselves that limit our access to happiness. I'm not saying to be reckless or to throw all caution to the wind, but rather to see past the shoulds to uncover what your heart and soul are really calling for. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been such a pleasure. I'm so happy you were a yes to be on the Power Plays podcast. You are definitely a powerful lady. And I look forward to um, figuring out what else we can do together. So thank you so much. Thank you. To experience such high highs and low lows in life and still be committed to living life at 11 plus is courageous and a testament to both the human experience and Meryl's unwavering optimism and tenacity. The poetry and dancer's rhythm that Meryl uses to flow through life easily carries us along with her while she sprinkles words of wisdom, leaving 
some of those golden breadcrumbs she talked about on the podcast. To connect, support, and follow Meryl, you can visit her website, merylpatrecia.com. I hope you've enjoyed this new episode of the Powerful Ladies podcast. If you're a yes to Powerful Ladies and want to support us, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Make sure to give us a five-star rating and leave a powerful review on Apple Podcasts. You can also be one of our Patreons for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com forward slash powerful ladies. We can get access to exclusive content that we're making just for you. Follow us on Instagram at powerful ladies and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page. And of course, visit our website, thepowerfulladies.com for all the latest news, details, and updates. I'd like to thank our producer and audio engineer, Jordan Duffy. Without her, this wouldn't be possible. You can follow her on Instagram at Jordan K. Duffy. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.